a gorgeous young girl, her life in front of her, suddenly, seemingly, vanishes. Joining me, her dad, begging for your help. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. What do we know about Eris's disappearance? Listen. Eris was last seen in this cul-de-sac right here. When her parents searched her location Friday night, they assumed that she was safe because of all the restaurants in this area. But when they didn't hear back from her within a few hours, which they say is completely unlike her, they knew something was wrong. This is surreal. This is not something I would ever want to happen to anyone. Um, it's, I think, a parent's worst nightmare, you know, that we're living right now. Being caught in a horrible nightmare, a nightmare from which you can't wake up. We are begging for your help in the search of Eris Hammock. This girl is scrubbed in sunshine. She's like the daughter everybody wants to have. I want you to listen to more from our friends at Fox 40. Eris Hammock's parents say she left her home in Roseville alone in her gray Mustang around 1.30 Friday afternoon to explore, like any 24-year-old would. But when they didn't hear from her that evening, fear began to set in. The family tracked Eris's phone location to this cul-de-sac near 30th Street and 3rd Avenue. Being that it was around a couple of restaurants, they thought she would be here with a group of friends. I didn't get too worried because I feel like at least she was somewhere where there's a, potentially a crowd. Because Gunther's always pulls in a lot of people, right? Oh, yeah. Ice cream, people are always coming in and out of here. But again, when it started getting about 9 or 10, things were closing now. We still hadn't really heard from her. That started setting off red flags. Joining me in All-Star Panel to make sense of what we know right now. But first, I want to go to a very special guest joining us, Charles Hammock. This is Eris's dad. Charles, tell me when you last saw Eris. What happened? My daughter uh, lives with both my wife and I. Um, we last saw her Friday afternoon, um, sometime between 1 and 2 p.m. She shared with us that she was going out. We assume she was going out to meet up with some friends. Now, hold on just a second right there, Charles. I'm glad you told me that because when I heard that reporter from Fox 40 say she went exploring, I'm like, what does that mean? But you're telling me she went out to meet some friends. We made that assumption. She said that she was going out, you know, and, and, and you know, we, we made the assumption that she was, you know, going out to, you know, meet with, meet with some friends. You know, we, she didn't say specifically, you know, where she was going. You know, I did ask her, you know, when she was going to be back. And she said shortly. So we just assumed that we would, you know, see her in a couple hours. Guys, we're talking about 24-year-old Eris Hammock. I'm looking at a picture of her right now. She's got long blonde hair. Um, and the picture I'm looking at, she typically pulls her hair back right there in the sides and and puts it back maybe in a braid and lets the rest hang down. She's been missing since this past Friday, December 9. What time of the day or night was it that you saw her, Charles? We saw her sometime between 1 and 2 in the afternoon. Okay, let, let me go further beyond that. You see her at 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Did she leave in her vehicle? Yes, yes, she did. Can you describe the vehicle for me? Sure, it's a 2013 um gray Ford Mustang. 2013 gray Ford Mustang. What is that, a two-door? Yes, two-door. Tell me something. I want to go straight out to Alexis Tereshuk, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. 
covering the story from the very beginning. Let's start at the beginning. So Eris leaves home to meet up with friends around one o'clock between one and two in the afternoon, Friday, December nine. She leaves in a gray Mustang two door. What happens next, Alexis? So then she heads to an area. And the reason that we know this, one, her parents found the car, but there is video, there's a ring camera. So it's actually a bit of a residential neighborhood. She pulls into this area and seems from the video that the police have obtained finally that the neighbors have taken on, you know, on the ring cameras. She looks a little bit confused. She kind of sits in the car for a while. Then she gets out. She kind of is, is going from place to place, like, a, you know, house to house and area to area. It looks sounds like she's looking for something. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Like looking for a particular address? Guys, I want to follow up on what Alexis Trezchuk is saying right now. Take a listen to Zach Boeto. So the Hammocks left their Roseville home in search of their daughter. But when they found her car there in Sacramento, something was off. The car was unlocked. The keys were in the car. Her ID, credit cards, all on the car. Um, We were able to track the vehicle because her phone, which we couldn't find initially going into the car, was in the glove box. That's when Charles and Leilani called 911. Not only were her belongings in the car, but her phone had been wiped. Everything was erased back at least six months on every single one. Somebody went to great lengths to erase a lot of information. Joining me, in addition to Eris's father, Charles, and Crime Online reporter, Alexis Terezchuk, D. Ingram is with us, former deputy sheriff with the Placer County Sheriff's Department. Thank you so much for being with us. D. Ingram, I know you handle and you instruct personal safety classes for women what do you make of this disappearance? It's totally out of character for Eris. She's never done this before. You know, I've known Eris since she was a little girl, and I, I've always worried about Eris because she is very um, naive, but she's also an optimist. I mean, she doesn't see, you know, not so much the danger, but the the, the darker side of people. Um, she's very, very trusting. So um, I got, I was at work at Susan's Armory, and I got a call from the hammocks um, Saturday morning, and Leilani was just beside herself and she told me what happened and I dropped everything and I said, what is Sacramento Police Department doing? Well, what I found out was that Sacramento Police Department, um, they, they didn't respond to their 911 call for three hours. That was concerning. And, you know, we're, we're talking about a girl that, you know, lives at home at Roseville. She's just your average American girl and her keys, her credit cards, her ID, all of this is suspicious. Charles Hammock joining me. This is Eris's dad. So you actually, at some point, go looking for your daughter. Describe to me how you got to the point that you leave to go look for her. And Nancy, so we um, we started reaching out to Eris at about 4.30 in the afternoon. My wife did um, because we hadn't heard from Eris and we had expected her home. We texted her, no response, called her. No response. Okay, wait a minute. Right there. Okay, Troy Slayton, L.A. criminal defense attorney, Slayton lawyers, Twitter at Troy Slayton. Right there, Troy. Take off your defense hat. Everybody I know, including my own children, I have to gently remind them every morning on the way to school to get off their phones. They're with an actual live person now. Um, When you find somebody that's age 24, 
and they don't have their cell phone? That's not right, Troy. Right there. Highly unusual, Nancy, that a 24-year-old would leave all of their means of payment, leave their phone, leave all their belongings in an unlocked car. And what also concerns me is the reporting that the phone was not wiped completely because that's something very easy to do, to to just erase everything on a phone. But to go through and just delete things back a certain number of months is something that's very difficult, takes a lot of time. And who would want to just delete back a certain number of days or weeks. Charles Hammock is with me. This is Eris's dad asking for your help. The tip line is 916-808-5471. Repeat, 916-808-5471. So Charles Hammock and the mom, Leilani, she's been gone about three hours or so from 1 to 4.30. And she just said, I'll be, I'll be right back. I'll be back shortly. And now she's not answering texts. There are times, a lot of times, uh, that I'll call the twins during the school day, and I know they can't pick the phone up, so I'll leave a message. Usually, I text. Many people don't pick up the phone. They like texting better, for whatever reason. So for her to not answer her text, Charles Hammock, is... Is, isn't that unusual for her? It's incredibly unusual, Nancy. She's very responsive. She's typically very responsible as well of even just saying, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be gone a little bit longer than I thought and, and checking in with us. So, Nancy, at this point, my wife rightfully became very, very worried um, because our family is on the same phone plan. My wife was resourceful enough to find an application we use through our phone carrier. You mean like find my iPhone? Yeah, it's it's like a family. It's it's not even specific to iPhones. It's like a find. It's like a, a family share or family secure. Oh, like one of those family circle things. Do you know what she's talking? Do you know what he's talking about, Brian Fitzgibbons? Yes, a- absolutely. This is uh, you know amazing that you guys were able to track that down so fast. Stories with Nancy Grace. Brian Fitzgibbon, search and rescue expert, vice president operations, USPA nationwide security. Brian, what is it called? What is that app called? We have um, Life360. And we also have Find My iPhone, mostly for me, because the phone can be anywhere at any time. But is it like Life360, Brian? Uh, yes, ma'am. What, what, what Mr. Hammock's referencing, I believe, is through the carrier. So because um, Eris's phone was on the family share plan. You mean like Verizon or T-Mobile or Sprint or something? The carrier offers yes, it? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And it does what? And and because that phone was associated with the family account, they were able to go to the carrier to get that location information, um, albeit that the phone had been manually, and, and I echo what Troy said, that that, that is very concerning to me, uh, that the phone was manually wiped um, versus factory reset. Uh, mm-hmm. So this isn't necessarily an app. This isn't necessarily a find my iPhone thing. Uh, this is... 
this is a service that's provided through the cell phone carrier. Do they all have it? Charles, what is your carrier? AT&T. Okay, hold on. I want to get information from you, Charles, and let Brian and Dee, Troy and Dr. Angie Arnold and Alexis evaluate what you're saying. So, Charles, you go through your AT&T carrier, and does that tell you what where the phone is so you drive right to where the car is? Yeah, it gave us a general, it gave us, um, I think it pings off of like different phone towers, so it gives you, I'd say, a fairly general within maybe 100, 200 yards kind of location. Okay, let, let me just analyze that. So you get between one and 200 yards of where her phone is, Eris's phone. For those of you just joining us, Eris Hammock is missing. She's just 24, lives at home with her parents, has never gone missing before, hasn't gone on a walkabout or has never needed time alone or space or breathing room. All those things you hear, she's never done this. Very responsible. If she's going to be late, she texts mom and dad, hey, I'm going to be a few hours late. They don't care. They just want to know she's safe. So listen to this. She leaves around 1, between 1 and 2 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, says, hey, I'll be right back. Leaves in a gray Mustang. They have not seen her since. They start getting worried, the mom, and they do the, it's kind of like finding my iPhone, but it's through AT&T, and you're, you have a family circle, and they locate between about 200 yards or so where the phone is. Okay, pick it up there, Charles. Yes, Nancy, so um, at about four, between, I think, probably sometime between 4.30 and 5, my wife used this location services to locate general area of where Eris was. And this is after the texts go unanswered? Correct. Okay. So it was near a, a popular kind of a landmark ice cream shop in Sacramento. What ice cream shop is that? It's called Gunther's. G-U-N-T-H-E-R-S. I think it's G-U-E-N-T-E-R-S. I'll have to get back to you on no, that. I, I'm looking it up right now. Keep, keep going. I want to hear the story. G-U-N-T. I'll find it. Keep going. So, and there was a, a, a cafe in that area. We're not super familiar with the area. It's about a half hour from where we live, but we know it's a fairly popular area. Uh, there's typically a lot of people there. So we made the assumption that she was there with other people. Is this the one on Franklin Boulevard? Correct. Gotcha. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is like Leopold's in Savannah, Jackie. Jackie and Sydney are in here when they heard ice cream. They're just like, what? It's, yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of place that you would travel 30 minutes to go visit Gunther's ice cream. It obviously is like a, is it historical? Yes, it's it's been there for many many years. It's very popular. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it's it's a huge big deal. I'm looking at an aerial shot of it right now. It's all lit up. It looks like one of the '50s diners. Yeah, it's in the area of um, the Fab Forties, which was what we call the area that's um, beautiful homes, um, almost very very antebellum like. Fab Forties in Sacramento. And to add, and, and to add to that, Nancy, one other thought that went through our mind given the time frame that we found you know her phone being there um the the how homes in that area that are very close the fab 40s that d references are lit up a lot at christmas a lot of people walk through that area to walk the streets and look at the christmas homes that's one of our favorite things to do charles is drive around and look at lights and this has been there since the 40s an original recipe that everybody comes for i bet they go there they get treats at gunther's and then they walk the fab 40s 
mansions to look at the Christmas lights. Yeah. So, so thoughts went through our mind that, you know, maybe she's there meeting up with friends, doing that, going to look at Christmas lights. You're just giving me chills all over my whole self because we do that with the twins. That's what I said, Nancy. This is something that could, we feel could happen to anybody. So tell me what happens. You get there, you see Gunther's, you, you realize where, where the, you understand the neighborhood where she was. When you see the car, where was it parked? So there's a, a, a small street that goes into an alleyway um, with a few residences or a few, resi- um, a, a few residential units, a few homes that are in that area. Um, going back to the timeline, we first were able to see her phone and her phone location sometime between 4.30 and 5. Oh, wait a minute, Charles. I hate, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've just got to tell you something. I'm looking at everything you're saying because, you know, I'm either in New York or Atlanta at all times, and I've never heard of this. This is actually the fabulous 40s Christmas tradition. He's not just saying, hey, maybe she looked at lights. This is a, a thing. It's a big thing. Touring the Fab 40s is a Christmas tradition for families and friends to see holiday lights, even with horse-drawn carriage or wagon. You love the slow pace, making your way through this beautiful neighborhood. The homes are decorated very elaborately. One uh, Beautiful light strands going from one side of the street to the next. Porch columns in lighted garland. Oak trees wrapped in colored lights. Characters from Christmas movies, manger displays, the whole thing. So, yes, now I get what you're saying. I had never heard of this, this, this tourist thing. Okay, now I, I understand your reasoning, Charles. Okay, go ahead. So, Nancy, we first were able to locate her phone between 4.30 and 5. But wait, when you see the car, what did you think? So, we, we got to the car at about 10, 10.30 that evening after not being able to get in contact with her and notice that her location had not changed the probably four or five times that we went to track it. And we became very, very worried because the businesses there were closing down around that time. Oh, well, oh, that feeling. Dr. Angela Arnold, renowned psychiatrist joining me out of Atlanta. Dr. Angie, that feeling when things are starting to close and now it's been nine hours and she won't text back, and she won't call back, and people are starting to like go home. That you know that feeling. Yeah, that you, you're buoyant mm-hmm. for a while. You know we're going to find her car. She's around her somewhere, and then the hours pass, and it's getting cold, and it starts getting dark, and people are starting to leave, and then you realize she's she's not there. It's such a feeling of desperation. I mean, I imagine it. It comes like searching. For for a needle in a haystack. I mean, all of a sudden, where is she? She could be anywhere, right? And that's when the despair starts to set in and and the realization that, oh my God, something really terrible could have happened to her and are we ever going to find her? Charles Hammett, you're with your wife, Leilani. You find the car and I bet when you found the car, you thought, oh, thank God, there's the car. Yes, absolutely. And then it gets to be 1030. And what happens? So, Nancy, we um, located the vehicle um, based upon the phone location because we were tracking the phone, which we happened to find in the car. When we went to the car, um, I saw no one within the vehicle. I opened the door handle and 
um, the car was unlocked. When I looked inside the vehicle after opening the door, I saw her credit cards and her ID in the center console of the vehicle, her car keys in the center console of the vehicle. We did not see her purse and I did not see her cell phone. So I was a bit puzzled by not seeing her cell phone, but I know that the location services aren't 100% precise and accurate. So I proceeded to call the phone thinking it might be in the general area in the vicinity of the car. And I heard a buzzing coming from the front of the car. I proceeded to open the glove box and the phone was in the glove box on vibrate mode. Is that like her? I would never think to put my phone in the glove box. I don't think that's like anybody, Nancy. I just, A, I would keep it with me. But wait a minute. You you see her ID, her credit cards. Where were the keys? Also in the center console with her credit card and ID. Was it closed or was it open to plain view? It was open to plain view. I said center console. It's really a cup holder. So it sounds like the car is left there basically asking someone to steal it. Because the, yes. the doors are unlocked, and there are the keys and credit cards and ID. Everything's yes. right there. Charles, is that like her? Is that her routine? No, that's not like anybody's routine, Nancy. Because everybody has a routine. When I am at our family home, I park in a garage, I shut the door, and I just get out, and I'll always leave my jacket and a couple of other things in the car. It's just a routine. What was her routine, Charles? Well, Nancy, she was a very secure person. Um, she was, you know, she'd keep the door locked. She always made sure our front door was locked at home. You know, I'd never known her to sit there and leave, you know, keys or IDs or, you know, credit cards, you know, just strewn about in plain sight. Like I said, Nancy, none of this added up at all. So immediately when I saw that, I called 911. What went through your mind when you saw her ID, credit cards and keys just laying there in a cup holder? I was afraid that somebody took her, Nancy. Guys, take a listen to our cut three. This is Fox 40. After going door to door trying to get any information to find their daughter, Charles and Leilani got a hold of surveillance video showing she was wandering up and down that cul-de-sac and through a nearby alley. They think she was led there. I feel like she was potentially lured here because she was she's talking to somebody. Eris's parents, with no other communication with their daughter, fear the worst and are now reaching out to the public for help. We're so uncomfortable getting all this stuff out there, but we know to find her that we need to. I mean, you watch these shows, and you never think it's going to be you. Charles, tell me about going door to door. Yeah, Nancy, so um, we initially reached out to the police when we got to the location sometime between 1030 and 11. Um, we waited for a couple of hours for the police to arrive. Uh, we did not go door to door at that time. It wasn't until later the following day, uh, simply for the fact that it was at night. It was in a, you know, a, kind of an area we felt uncomfortable with. But the police did go door to door and, and, you know, ask for a couple of, you know, people's help to see if they had saw anything or had any, you know, footage or information. Later that following day, we, kind of canvassed the area ourselves, spoke with neighbors that lived kind of in that general vicinity, probably within kind of a, you know, 1,000, 2,000 foot radius to talk to people that might have seen her 
or saw anything or had any video footage of that area at that time. And what, if anything, did you find? So we found a few things, um, Nancy. One is, is we had some great video footage of Eris. So we have specifically a good frame of reference for what she was wearing at the time that she was last seen. We also see what appears to be the fact that she was trying to contact somebody on the phone. So she had her phone at that point? Correct. She had her phone, as well as her purse, as well as her car keys on what we can see in some video footage at that time. So we're, 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 we're certain that she did not go there, leave all of her things in the car, and just walk away. So when you say she's... I got the impression you thought she was looking for an address or someone? Yeah. Correct. Why? Why do you think that? Nancy, we were... When we... A couple of things. When we were found the phone, my wife was lucky to be able to unlock the phone and guess her password. So we started looking immediately through information on her phone, any of the call log, any of the you know you know maps, anything that was on there that could give us some information. Hold on just a sec, Charles. She was last seen wearing uh, pink Uggs gray sweatpants, a navy or black hooded coat. And and a white and black, a white and black puffer jacket. White and black what? Uh, Kind of a puffer ski jacket. Uh, She may have a purse which is black with a gold chain. Oh, and she has an arrow, like a bow and arrow, an arrow tattoo on her forearm, wrist to elbow. Which arm? Her right one. Right arm. What does the arrow mean? It's a, just a symbol of pointing in the right direction, pointing forward in the future. Wow. Very positive personality. Absolutely. And anyway, I want everybody to be able to see what you're talking about. So she's go. Now, again, I, I th- thought I heard D. Ingram jumping in. D. Why do you believe she was looking for a particular person or address? Well, when, we, when um, Leilani and, and, and uh, Charles called me, um, we went down to the scene. So I took pictures of the car. Um, you know, the, the wheels were turned in, which means to me that she didn't come in to make a U-turn in that cul-de-sac. She actually deliberately parked there. So I, I wanted to look at the phone because in my, in my experience, um, in my career, the phone records are critical and there's a timeline that's critical. So I started going to the phone and the first thing I noticed was there was a, the Google app was open, but they, her, were looking at her text she had one phone call, um, you know, from, uh, or actually, let me go back a little bit. She had several phone calls from her parents, obviously, and several voicemails that were left. Other than that, there was a, a call, an unknown caller calling into her at 9.22 p.m., and it was a hang-up call. It was an instant hang-up. There was no seconds, nothing. And I thought, wow, that's very strange for them to have, you know, calls from her parents, one strange phone call. I started to go backwards. The, and Eris is on her phone, mind you, all the time. So from the, that night, from about 7 p.m. and that 9.22 phone call in, there was nothing behind it. There was, um, I think it went back to um, November. There was a, a call in November, an incoming. There were texts all the way back to 2021. And I'm thinking, there is no way that Eris was not on that phone since 2021 to Friday night. Question. You say that the call you saw, 
there was something at 7 and then at 9.22? Yeah, at 9.22, there was an unknown caller that called in. Right, and what was at 7? And then before that, she had looked at um, the address again, which she put in the, I believe it was 29, correct me if I'm wrong, Charles, but 29, 50, 30th Street. And it was in there several times. Well, I went backwards in her Google app, and she had Googled that address the night before, Thursday night. So that told me that she had had plans to go to this area the night before. Oh, by the way, Charles, uh, you said you're Carrie's AT&T. Correct. This is what we've learned. You go into your bill, you look at view usage details, and you can look at talk, text, or data. If you look at talk, you see the actual phone log. And I understand, Charles Hammock, you have already done that. So you already know that, right? Correct. So even though it wasn't on the cell phone, you managed to find it on the phone bill. Correct. And you gave it to Sacramento PD. Correct. Uh, I'm curious, Charles, precisely what was wiped from her phone from when to when? Yeah, Nancy, I'm not sure exactly the time frame on the information that was wiped. Dee's actually looked at the phone. Oh, wonderful. Dee, what's the time frame? With me is Dee Ingram, former deputy sheriff. Uh, Dee, what's the time period that was wiped? From uh, the from the text messages, it was from uh, that night, um, I would say, everything from 7 p.m. backwards. To when? Last week, last month, last year? When? It was Some of it was, uh, the text message was at least, at least seven, eight days. The emails and the, the recent phone calls back to 2021. Nancy, let me add something in here just because I, 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 I think I understand where there's some confusion. Okay. And just to share with you one, one kind of side factor on this. So when, when we got her phone, Okay, and we went to look at the phone details on AT&T. AT&T was having technical issues preventing us from looking at a detail of usage for both Eris's number and one other number on our phone plan for the majority of the weekend. It wasn't until yesterday morning that we were actually able to get into and see Eris's usage details after having to escalate to AT&T multiple times. So between the time that we had access to that information and the time that we spoke with Sacramento PD and spoke with a detective and gave over her laptop and her cell phone for them to run cyber forensics on, we did not have time to do an inventory looking at all of her texts and phone messages on her phone and comparing it to her usage data. Now, we've turned that over to Sacramento PD for them to take a look at it. And we'll probably do it ourselves again when we get the phone back. But we were without a period of time that we could not see any of her cell phone information from AT&T and do that type of comparison. Let me understand about this address. 2950 30th Street. I believe it was 2695. It was, yeah. I think it was 2695 or 2659. What is 2659? It's a vacant lot. So, it's a, yes, it's, we're not sure why that address showed up in her Apple Maps, but doesn't show up on Google Maps. 
when we first noticed that evening as we were looking through her phone waiting for the police. 2659, right? 2659. Yeah, I, I, I may have a couple of those numbers and unfortunately, you know, flip-flopped and I don't have her phone in front of me. The yeah. police have it to reference. And that's an, a lot? Yes, it's a, it's a, this residential area that her car was found in. There is, um, it recently went under construction the past couple of years, a new freeway was put in an overpass. And there, between two homes that were there, there's a vacant lot of land. And it's on a high slope because all of this land runs up to supporting the overpass up to reporting, supporting the freeway. But I would say it's probably a thin stretch of land at a high slope that probably runs about 50 to 70 yards wide. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. At this juncture, Brian Fitzgibbons is joining us, search and rescue expert with USPA Nationwide Security. What do you advise? Uh, exactly. You know, talking to you, uh, continuing this media coverage, and I, I think um, getting uh, some kind of reward out uh, through uh, independent organizations to get information um, you know, we've found that that, uh, the, the coupling media coverage, um, with advertising rewards and getting her photo out there. Charles Hammett, question to you. Has Eris ever just disappeared for this number of days before? She's never disappeared at all. She's never disappeared for hours. Even hours. Neither of mine. Thank God in heaven. So this is completely out of character. How was she feeling that day? I mean, from what you've told me, she was upbeat and normal when she left and said she'd be right back. She was fine. Everything's been fine at home, Nancy. We, we all get along. We, we, you know, my wife and I went out to her at dinner at Cheesecake Factory with, with her brothers Wednesday evening. Um, you know, everyone was looking forward to spending the holidays together. What does Eris do? Does she work? Is she in school? No, right now she's actually, she's a little bit entrepreneurial. Nancy, she had started, she's been working on a startup business selling handbags and selling jewelry. Really? Off of a website and off of Etsy. Yeah. And have you looked at the website and what she's selling on Etsy? Has anyone wanted to meet her for any reason? Through her website? Not that I'm aware of. Any type of like traffic or activity that she had, everything was, was shipped out. Was she on a dating website? Not that I'm aware of, but I, 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 I don't know. Is she dating anyone right now? No. Has she had a recent breakup that you know of? No, not at all. Okay, Troy Slayton joining me, high-profile lawyer, joining us out of California. Troy, um, I'm very concerned because they say they're watching her on this video, and she seems to be looking for someone or an address as she's talking on the phone, and there's no video saying that she's going back, that that shows her going back to the car. And then suddenly, her cell phone, her credit card, her ID, and the keys to the car are all back in the car, and she's gone. That's suspicious, Nancy, so that would obviously lead someone to believe that she is missing or was 
taken or is somewhere in that local area. Um, but what I would want to know, uh, as with any 24-year-old, is what was the social media activity? What was the activity that could be gleaned from Instagram, Facebook, TikTok? What about that, Charles? He's absolutely right, Charles Hammock. And we're trying to piece that together. Um, from what we've been able to see, um, Iris wasn't a frequent Facebook user. I think she was more, you know, as far as on Instagram and TikTok. Um, at one point earlier in her life, she shared a lot of information out. I think as she got older, she tended to be less focused on, on kind of putting out content and more watching things. Um, I was able to get in contact with a group of virtual friends that she had because she used the Discord yeah. application yeah. quite a bit. Um, she had actually gained some friends during the COVID period that were located across the U.S. through Discord. She had flown to meet some of them. Um, they have a ski trip in Colorado last winter. Um, we were able to locate off of one of off of a phone record a conversation that she had had with one of those friends. He was kind enough to bring me into their Discord chat with a group of friends that they had to share the news and see if they happen to have any insights into who Eris might have been trying to meet with, why Eris would have been there, if Eris would have disappeared at all. And they've had no information or ideas. They've been kind enough to share out because some of them have computer kind of backgrounds and expertise. I'm concerned about what you're saying about Discord. Because, you know, on Discord, you can remain completely anonymous. Um, mm-hmm. Communication yeah. between anyone can lead to exploitation and sextortion. Right. And that is my fear that someone she's speaking to on Discord, it's a, I, I consider it a very dangerous platform. Nancy, it, it's, it's important to know that Eris had four different emails, Gmail accounts, because she does her business and she has a personal one. She has one yeah. for school. All of those had been logged out of every device. The only reason that they were able to keep one of those open for pinging was because Eris was logged into her, her, IMA, or her um, Apple computer at home. It was logged in at home. So all of her um, locations were paused. All of everything, the sink was turned off. And that was all done from her phone? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, um, no, I'm very, very concerned. Alexis Terrestrick joining me, CrimeOnline.com. Eris would not have turned everything off. And if she knew enough to turn everything off, Alexis Terezchuk, she would have also turned off her Apple computer at home. Nancy, it seems very suspicious and it seems very worrisome that this is happening. And the police have told me, I spoke with the the Sacramento Police Department yesterday, and they said they have no leads on this yet. They do not have a suspect. They don't have anyone that they are looking at. But she has completely vanished into thin air from, as everybody has said, you know, the fabulous 40s in Sacramento, the state capital of California. There there couldn't be more police teams in this city. You know what? That brings up a good point. Charles Hammock is joining me, Eris's dad. What are police telling you? I, I First of all, I don't like what they said when they showed up. They just seemed to think that she just kind of like wandered off on her own. I mean, what has her, their attitude been? What are they telling you? Thankfully, I think their perspective on this has changed, Nancy, over the past 24 to 48 hours. A lot of it thankful to Dee and her help just, just simply by talking with them and questioning them relative to all the information we've been able to put together. 
Um, right now, they have a detective assigned to the case. They are considering her a missing person. Wait, they didn't already consider her a missing person? They considered her a missing person. They shared with us initially when um, we contacted them and spoke with them Friday night, Saturday morning, that they were putting it in as a missing person case. But it wasn't until yesterday that a detective was assigned to the case and that we met with the detective and turned over her laptop and her phone for them to do forensics on. Well, I'll be blunt, D. Ingram. I mean, uh, it's December 13. We've lost yes. four days. A lot of time. We've lost yes, we a did. lot of time. We did. And we've had tips. Um, we've had several in the last 24 hours. And what are the tips? Well, the first one that came in, I guess, was last night. And basically, they said that on Friday night, um, somebody in, I believe it was Modesto, um, actually, it was Natomas, um, that, that someone said that there was a white van parked in the parking lot and next to her car. Um, being a female, she's like, that's odd, that's kind of scary. So she had someone at the, at the store that she was in walk her out to her car. Well, there was supposedly um, a sighting of Eris, and Charles can tell you more about that. And that was near Natomas, which is right outside of the area where we think she disappeared. Secondly, as of last night, um, there was a Facebook feed that someone took a screenshot of and sent to the hammocks that said that they saw Eris. They're sure they saw Eris in Modesto um, near McHenry and that she was in a Ross store. And they, that's all we have. And that she actually got into a green SUV. Um, these are things that the sheriff, the police department has not um, been told. I don't believe. I think Leilani said that she sent all of this to SAC PD um, so that they would obtain some video so we can confirm whether it was Eris or not. And we haven't heard anything back. I, I just want to put this out there, Charles. Um, and I think D. Ingram is going to be able to help you do this. I would immediately start a website where people can, and you can see how they're doing it in the Idaho student sleigh. The FBI has set up a tip, a video tip site where people that have pictures or think they have pictures, they can email, they can write in tips, and they can upload any picture or video. Tell me about the search effort, Charles. What are you guys doing? So we're doing several things. First, we're canvassing the area, speaking with any residents in that area that Eris was last seen, talking to them, sharing her, her information. Flyers, of course. You've put up flyers. Yeah, and also asking them if they happen to have any video during that time frame between when we know Eris arrived in that area until the time that we arrived in the area and found the vehicle. And why is it after you saw the video, you're convinced, Charles, that she was looking for someone or some address? We know that we have the address that was plugged into her phone, into her map on her phone that leads to that empty lot. We have video surveillance that shows her walking back and forth this alley next to where her vehicle is parked, looking as if she's speaking with somebody and pacing back and forth with some sense of urgency. We also know from one of the residents in the area who said he spoke with Eris that she was looking for someone by the name of Chris, that she was trying to find this address that did not exist. And she seemed to be very agitated. The other thing, Nancy, that we're very concerned by and we don't know with how much cr credibility there is with this, um, 
as we've canvassed the area and as there's several, you know, many transients, I should say, that are in that area, <laughs> we've shared with them the flyer, see if they may have seen her at all during that time frame. And one of the transients that we spoke with on Saturday <clears throat> indicated that Friday night, they gave an estimate of about 10 p.m. that they had saw Eris. And they described Eris fairly well. Well, we didn't have flyers at this time. So she seemed to validate Eris's appearance as well as Eris's general demeanor with my wife that Eris approached her. She spoke with Eris briefly and that a white van had come by them and that Eris was taken. Now, again, we don't have any evidence of that so far other than that witness statement. We've shared that information with the police as well as the name of the transient and a description of the transient to try and get more information. You know what, Charles? I, I find it really hard to believe that in this area of the Fab 40 Christmas tour, all these mansions are decked out and that, you know, ice cream shop that is a destination, that there is not video camera surveillance, not only of Eris, but of the possible white van you're talking about. The white van that he's talking about basically um, was not in that court where Eris's car was. The white van was supposedly um, spotted underneath the underpass um, that 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 vacant area leads to. So it's under the freeway, and I, I've looked in that area. I've approached some of the houses there. There's no camera footage from that underpass where the van supposedly was seen. And Nancy, this is Alexis. Can I jump in? Yeah. So when I spoke with the detective yesterday, there had also been a tip that she had been taken by somebody and that that person was living in a trailer under a bridge. And the police mm -hmm. said that they investigated this. They went down there. They made contact with the person. But there was no no signs of Eris or anything like that. So right. they had followed up with one tip. To Charles Hammock, what is your message to Eris, Eris and anyone listening right now? Eris, everyone in the world, um, we love Eris. We hope that you're safe. If you would please contact, you know, anyone to get information to the Sacramento Police Department or us at home to let us know that you're safe. We want you to come back home and we will do anything that we can and move heaven and earth to sit there and help you come home safely. Eris, we love and miss you. We are praying for a Christmas miracle. Help us. The tip line is 916-808-5471. You hear Eris's father begging for your help. 916-808-5471. Goodbye, friend.